For those of you that might be uh, tuning in from our friends around the world, actually, God bless you. We love you, and uh, we're just so grateful that you're coming here and part of our family today. So you just make sure you keep on watching and uh, being part of our services here. Well, uh, these are crazy days. I think all of us would admit that, man, this is, uh, this is some of the most uncertain times we have ever seen in all of our life. I've never seen a, a time quite like this. I, I've been in the ministry a lot of years now, and I can just tell you, there's never seen anything quite like this. And for sure, the headwinds against the church of God have never been stronger. I mean, it's not like the devil uh, ever was easy on us, but I'll tell you one thing, it is just crazy right now. But thank God, even though in times of uncertainty, there can be some certainty in our hearts. I mean, we've got to admit that this whole disease things going on and just shake anybody and some of the numbers we hear. And for those of you that are in health care or you might even be right now uh, in a hospital bed somewhere and I want you to know we love you and we know God's going to be with you and get you through this. And for those of you that are in our health care system and others, uh, this is not an easy time, but uh, we know that despite all that, we just keep trusting God. And then whatever's going on in this world, the injustice, uh, that uh, seemingly is on every hand, uh, both uh, on the right and both on the left. The turmoil, the protests, the riots. I mean, uh, you wonder what in the world is going on, and is there an answer? Now, I know uh, one party that says, uh, one political party says, they're the answer. And we'll find out uh, if that uh, party changes this uh, coming November that we'll find out in four years that, that that's not the answer. And if others say, well, this is the answer. The fact is, folks, there is an answer. And as uh, we may not think, we may think, well, that's just, it's too complicated. What's going on in the world? The fact is there is actually an easy answer to bringing this world back into order. And if you'll turn with me to Zechariah chapter 9, verse number 9, or you can just get it here on the overhead or on your screen there, just look at it real quickly. But here is the answer for the world's problems right here. It is an easy answer. It really is. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Of course, this is uh, spoken specifically, and if we're just going to interpret it literally, it is spoken to the people of Israel, those who are uh, there, they're Hebrews. So this nation... Oh, daughter of Jerusalem, anybody who has specifically been there, and in particular, those who live in the Jerusalem area, behold, thy king cometh. And he did. He is, look at this word, just. He is just. What's the answer to the injustice? To having a just leader. It says he is just. He has salvation with him. He is lowly unlike what is often given to us today, riding upon an ass, a donkey, and upon the coal, the fault of an ass. Yes, justice has come. Is there an answer? Is there justice anywhere? Yes, justice did come, and justice was prepared to rule the world. But unfortunately, the world did not want justice. They crucified justice. They said, give me Barabbas. We don't want holiness. We don't want justice. And so as a result, the usurper, the devil, Satan, the old dragon, old smutty face, he took this world and really for the most part has had his way with it for these many years. But I remind you that justice is coming back. The king is going to come, and this time he's not going to be on a donkey. This time he's not going to come lowly. He is coming as king of kings and lord of lords. If you are looking for justice, justice is coming. If you're looking for an answer to the problems of this world, it's coming. It really is. If you're looking for an antidote to all the disease, it is coming. The Bible says he comes with healing. He comes with victory. He comes with justice. And that's what's going to happen when that time comes. And when the king of kings comes, he's going to seize control from all the 
uh, King Newsoms of the world and the others who would give all their crazy rules. The fact is, Jesus is a just ruler. There's going to be a just police force and a just government, and all injustices will be put down. Our question this morning is this, how can I get through this time? It is so uncertain. I mean, it seems like on every hand and everywhere we look, there's fear and there's uncertainty and there's disease and there's financial insecurity. I mean, it just makes no difference. We're just, this is an uncertain world. But I, I'm here to tell you that there is an answer, and that is to trust God. How are we going to do it? We just trust God. Pastor, how can we do this? Trust God. How, how do I go to work each morning? Just trust God. How do we make it as a family? Just trust God. How are we supposed to get through all this? Just keep trusting God. Trust God. Well, how, why should I trust God and how can I trust God? Well, if you will trust three things about God, then you can trust Him. If you'll trust His love, and then today, if you can trust His justice, and then next week, the Lord willing, you can trust His sovereignty. Those three things just undergird me. I know I'm loved. I know that everything that happens is from the hand of a loving God. He is a loving Savior. And then today, He is just. He never does wrong, ever. He's never done wrong. He's never done anything off color and everything, never done anything, uh, you know, a mistake. He always does the right thing. So I can know then that everything that happens is right if it's from the hand of God. And then finally, sovereign. God is so sovereign, I can trust Him. He can take things that were meant for evil, even, and no, some things maybe not even meant for evil, but He can take whatever it is, and He can make it good. Isn't that amazing? So I can trust God that He loves me. I can trust Him that He's just, and He always does right, and then that He is sovereign. And so that's our theme for these uh, three weeks, and so we are looking forward today to looking into His Word. I love this message. I just do. I love the truth behind it because if I, it, you may have lived all your Christian life and never heard a sermon on the justice of God, ever. You may have heard snippets, but today you're going to get an idea of why the justice of God or the fact that God is just is so important. So let's go into God's Word. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning. I thank you for these that are here and for these that are listening online and soon Lord, they'll be listening via tape. Thank you for each one, Lord, the hundreds, perhaps even thousands, who will be listening to this message. Thank you, because God, we trust you today, and we just want everybody to know you can trust God. You can just calm down, and we can just not get panicked, because God is loving, He is just, and God, you are sovereign, and we thank you for that great truth. Amen. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. This is our theme for these three Sundays. My, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Let's read it together, if you would, please. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Ready? Begin. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. How can I trust that everything's going to be all right. Well, notice what it says. Trust in the government with all thine heart. Oh, no, 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 no. Trust in a vaccine with all thine heart. Oh, no, 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 no. Trust in your bank account with all your heart. Oh, no, no, no. Trust in your boss with all your heart. No, what? Trust in the Lord. People say, well, you're a trusting person. <laughs> the only reason I'm trusting is because I'm trusting in the Lord. I'm not trusting in my money or my job or even as much as I love my family. The fact is I am trusting in the Lord. That's the answer. We're trusting not in a plan, not in a program, but in the person of Jesus Christ. And that is what we're trusting today. But notice how to do it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Total commitment. It's not going to work if you just say, well, I'm 10% for Jesus. I'm 20% for God. Well, I'm about 50-50 when it comes to the things of the Bible. No, trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. You're going to have to just step out, folks. You can't, you can't just go halfway with God. It's all the way. It has to be all, anywhere, anytime, any cost. That's my motto, the great motto, the great missionary motto, anywhere, anytime, 
any cost. And when we have that kind of an attitude and we're trusting God, then look what happens. Verse number six, he will direct your paths. A personal guide, he will, guaranteed promise. He, it is a covenant. That word covenant in the Old Testament means cut, blood. God made a cut covenant like a blood brother. He said, I want you to know you can take this to the bank. He shall direct thy paths. Now, we have said there are three reasons why we can trust God. He is a loving God. That's what we talked about last week. That great passage in Romans chapter 8, the, the, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. And in case we decided to just kind of say some things, well, what about this? The great apostle Paul, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit just said, yes, Neither death, nor life, nor sickness, or things to come, nothing, absolutely nothing will separate us from the love of God. Now today, God is just. God is a just God. Now many times people um, put the name or put the truth of God's holiness and God's justice really in the same basket. I noticed this morning we sang several songs that indicated we we're worshiping His holiness, but we almost never say anything about God's justice. We rarely sing songs about it. We rarely think about it because we usually just use the term holy. And actually, that's nothing wrong with that in one sense, but the Bible is very clear that He is not only holy, He is just. Now, what's the difference? Really, it might be this subtle difference. Holiness is who God is just is what he does. He just does everything that is right. The Old Testament word for justice or just means straight. God is straight, nothing crooked in God, absolutely straight. The New Testament word for just is the word equal or always right. You can be sure that God never treats anybody with partiality or prejudice. God is straight. No, nothing crooked about God. He is always equal in the way that He handles things. In fact, the book of Proverbs tells us that a just balance is of the Lord. He always balances things justly. And so we can then say that our God is righteous. He is just. He never makes mistakes. He is never unfair. Look at Psalms 145 verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all His ways. <laughs> he is righteous in all His ways. And then it's separate from holy in all of His works. God is righteous. Actually, the most synonymous word in Scripture with just is the word righteous. Righteous. God is righteous. He is just. Justice is an attribute of God. But it's more than an attribute. It is really the nature of God. Look in Luke chapter 7 and verse 29. Here these tax collectors had gotten born again. I mean, folks, that'd be like saying the, the mafia, the leaders of the mafia got saved. I mean, you name the most uh, down, uh, just a rotten guys, just a Ponzi scheme type of people. The tax collectors, for the most part, were a sorry lot. And it says, even the tax collectors were beginning to justify God. Meaning, Jesus' ministry was so powerful, was so effective, that these mobsters, these Israeli mobsters, were getting born again. And as a result, their marriages were transformed, and their health was transformed, and their mindset, and their mental health, and their families, and they were so excited, they began to justify God, meaning they didn't care about God, didn't even think He was much until they got saved, and then they realized God is right. God is just. Now, the fact is, God does not need to be made righteous by the tax collectors, or by you or me. We don't need to, we can't make God righteous because God is righteous. For us, justice is conforming to an outside standard. 
When someone is just, for example, in the world today, we might say, well, they are following the laws of society. And we have many laws in our state and in our country where people are demanded to have equal treatment. And there's equal treatment for this group and for this group. And by large, uh, there's probably some good behind all of that. I do not believe anybody should be treated uh, unfairly or with prejudice. And yet, um, for us, justice is then conforming to an outside standard. But for God, He never has to conform to an outside standard because He set the standard. <laughs> he is the standard. In fact, the way justice really works is, is that all of the laws conform to Him. He doesn't conform to the laws of God. Just really is, uh, justice is really defined by God. What is justice? It's a God thing. It's what God does because He's right. He's always right, never prejudice. He's never crooked. He's always just. Our God is just. How unlike the gods of this world, our God is just. Now, there are four key facts about justice in Scripture. There's more, but I want to just bring out four of them. These are, I think, the highlights of God's justice. First of all, the justice of God establishes the validity in, of God in all that He says. How do I know God is valid? How do I know what He says is credible? How do I know that I can bank on it? How can I know that what He said He was in good frame of mind and had all those faculties about Him? Sometimes, you know, uh, the heirs of a person, the estate will, you know, uh, they'll have a will or they'll have a um, you know, some kind of uh, estate planning, and so everybody gets together, and what they all want to know is, is was my loved one in a clear state of mind? Did they write this out with all of their facilities? Because otherwise, it's not valid. It is not a valid will. It is not a valid contract. It's not credible, and that's what we want to know about God. Is God credible? Is He valid? Is, I mean, he has said a whole lot of things in the Bible, thousands of things in the Bible, but can, are they valid? Are they credible? Can I believe it? Well, uh, the prophets say that he's credible. The, the, uh, all the, the poets said he's credible. The experience uh, we have tells us he's credible. For example, look at Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 23. I have sworn by myself. Now, here is the great prophet Isaiah the uh, Christ preacher of the Old Testament. He stands up and he says, here's what God said, I have sworn by myself. I really don't need anybody to validate what I'm saying. I have sworn this. I have said this. This is a fact. The word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness. Everything that comes out of the mouth of God is righteous or as I mentioned, really a synonymous term with righteous in Scripture is just. Everything that comes out of my mouth is just. God's justice is that everything He says is right. Now, I think you'll agree with me, taking human opinion can be a little bit shaky. For example, taking stock advice from an Uber driver, might, you might want to rethink that strategy, Amen. And the fact is, we always kind of have to question when we're talking to a human, because a human will tell us things based, and it's bracketed by the color, and it's colored by, for example, their gender. A lady might think about something different than a man would. It might be their age group, and sometimes uh, Pauline and I, when we're having dinner with our 23-year-old daughter, we'll have to tell her, we think different than your group does. You're the millennial group. We just do. It's just we have experiences. We have a different background. We, we think different. So we try to uh, help her understand. She tries to help us understand her generation. It's just it's bracketed by their experiences. The fact is a person's station in life or their education or the fact whether they have information or not. And um, I remember um, going into the Home Depot store. I had had surgery on my foot, and I really wasn't easy walking very far. And so, 
but I went in there and needed something and talked to that little uh, teenage gal at the front door there, asked her where something was, and she said, oh yeah, it's way back on aisle one, back in the back corner. I said, okay, well, thank you. And so 20 minutes later, I finally get back there, hobbling, walking, you know, shuffling, whatever I did, only to find out she did not know what she was talking about. She just said it off the top of her head, and oh my goodness. So after the a few times like that. Now, uh, then I got to the, uh, figured out, okay, I'm going to make sure. So I'd go to the desk and say, are you sure that's where this is? And now, of course, I walk really good. And so it's not as big a deal. But i tell you one thing, even at, and I don't think she was trying to mislead that old guy, you know, with the white beard, you know, I'm going you know, to make him feel bad. No, it's just the fact is that people are like, we're just that way. We we either don't want to admit something or it's uh, we, everything we do or say is colored by something, but never God. God never has rose-colored glasses. God never, uh, never anything that he says is absolutely true. Uh, and then, of course, sometimes the people we talk to, you just wonder about their character, right? And uh, I remember one person saying about some left-wing politician says, well, I know when they're lying, <laughs> their lips are moving. And sadly, sometimes that's true. But the fact is, while it's hard to figure out whether God is, or people are trustworthy, you never have to worry about God. And how do we know what God is saying? Well, He wrote it down. And it's never changed, ever. It has never changed. People say the Bible always changes, never changes. They're just, they're nutcases. They don't know what they're talking about. Yes, translations may kind of you know, change this or that, but it really never changes it. It's God's Word has never been, is always the same. And every time they find a new manuscript or partial manuscript, it just confirms the rest of them. It has never changed. It is truth. It is written down. Thank God for His truth. It is something you can depend on, and it is transforming. We recently, as a church of God, uh, worldwide have lost a great friend of the faith, Rabbi Zacharias, great uh, apologist, a theologian. He tells or told this great story, and I have to relate it to you. He had been in Vietnam in the early years, I think it was the 70s, and he was speaking there. And while he was speaking, he met a young man who had the ability to translate Vietnamese or English into Vietnamese so he could preach. Very rare back in those days in Vietnam, still really in many parts of Southeast Asia, very, uh, as much as you might imagine, they don't really speak a lot of English. He felt like, Brother Zacharias felt like this man, young man had received Christ, but he wondered about him. He left Vietnam and always wondered what happened to him. Seventeen years passed. He got a phone call. Brother Ravi, immediately he recognized the voice of this young man. And he said, what in the world? What has happened to you? Tell me your story. What's going on? He said, here's what happened. He said, shortly after Vietnam had fall, he said, uh, we who were part of the free Vietnam were imprisoned for helping Americans, and they tried to indoctrinate me. And so they just kept feeding me all kinds of uh, communistic uh, ideals, and they said that the Western world is a crazy place, a bad place. They uh, especially wouldn't let anything about Christianity there in our prison. He said, soon after I began reading all those things, he said, I began to wonder, well, maybe God doesn't exist. Maybe the West really has deceived me. And then he was assigned the dreaded chore of cleaning out the prison latrines. As he went there and cleaned out one of the tan cans that are there in the toilet area, overflowing with paper, his eye caught what seemed to be English printed on a piece of paper. He reached down into that refuse can, took it out, and cleaned it off and began reading the words. When he read it, he realized this was what Brother Zacharias had preached all those years earlier. 
And it was a passage out of Romans chapter 8. Nothing can separate me from the love of our God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He said, Brother Zacharias, I wept as I read those words. He cried out to God for forgiveness. And then, of all things, he asked his commander. He said, could I clean the latrines every day? The commander is like, yeah, if you want to. And so then every day he went there and he went and he cleaned out those little cans and found out that one of the commanders was using the Bible, the pages of the Bible as toilet paper. And every day he would take another piece and clean that off and he would read scriptures. He said his life transformed. He ended up... uh, being able to go to one of those camps in Thailand, and then eventually came to America. What a great reminder of the power of the truth of God's Word, and why this world you can't trust. One thing you can trust is the Word of God, no matter where it comes from. Thank God. God establishes His validity because of His justice. Number two, the justice of God. Explain the rightness of God in judging us. Now, there's one thing about God that Christians will be very clear about if they're honest, and that is that our God will never sweep sin under the carpet. God is a righteous God, and He judges sin. And while that may sound a little bit harsh, the fact is it's a great comfort. Look at Acts chapter 17 and verse 31. The Bible says, He will judge the world in righteousness. He judges righteously. Now, unfortunately, in America, we have liberal judges and we have conservative judges. I would say that a conservative judge is more constitutional than a liberal judge. And so I might say, well, he is more righteous or more just. But the fact is, even they might make a mistake. But God never makes a mistake. He judges in righteousness. And nobody can ever accuse him of being unfair because his standard is absolute righteousness and equality. Look, for example, in Exodus 21 where he says, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. A just God must judge sin righteously. If that is the case, then folks, we're in trouble. Because if God judges me righteously, then I'm done. Because every day I make mistakes. Every day I sin. And even as a believer, I just don't I'm just not, I don't pray like I should. I don't have a broken heart for souls. I just, there's just so many things about my life, and not that I'm meaning to, but the fact is, uh, we are, thank, thank God, that all of my sin was laid upon a Savior because if it had not, we're in big trouble because God is righteous. That's why it says in Isaiah 53 that God laid upon Jesus the sin of us all. It, he laid it upon him. God's offering for sin then pays for my sin. And so the great truth is that the fact is there is a judgment coming and it is a righteous judgment. And I got to thank God that my sins were placed on Jesus because otherwise we're in big trouble. I read uh, an excerpt of a book this last week. It was fascinating. You can just take it for what it's worth, not sure that it's a, a great scriptural truth, but it's interesting. It's a, written, it's a book written by a cardiologist. He's a, actually an ER doctor from the University of Tennessee. He and his colleagues uh, over the last few years did something uh, kind of interesting. They would interview people who had nearly died and people who especially would come back saying that they had a near-death experience and the things that they would say. The thing that they found out was that about 50%, now we're talking about those who were interviewed within minutes of having this experience. We're talking about uh, ER uh, room situations. The fascinating thing is, Dr. Rawlings said, that about 50% of the patients reported seeing something like fire, flames, unpleasant, not good feelings, basically what we might imagine what the Bible calls hell. And yet, 
when they interviewed these same people months, sometimes many months later, that people had changed their mind. In fact, uh, almost all of them didn't say anything like that. He said he and his colleagues uh, realized that these people just did not want to admit to themselves, maybe to their family, that they were headed to a place that was the afterlife, that was something very much like what the Bible calls hell. The fact is, and his conclusion was this, he said, I tell you what, I am convinced more than ever there is an afterlife and I want to be ready for that. And folks, I'm telling you, judgment is real. The judgment of God is a real thing. Hell is very real. It is a literal place. And we look at Scripture, but we thank God that because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice, all of my sins are laid on Him, and because of His justice, God's justice, then God can let us into heaven. The justice of God establishes the validity of God in all that He says. It explains the rightness of God in judging us. God never makes a mistake in His judgment. And then number three, it exhibits the mercy of God in never forgetting what we have done. Now, I love this. And by the way, this is a great verse for people that are in the ministry. Hebrews 6 and verse 10. In fact, let's read it together if you would. All right, let's read it out loud. Hebrews 6 and verse 10. Ready? Begin. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his in his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. God is not unjust to ever forget what you do. Now, we live in a world where people many times don't say thank you. I know I don't say thank you enough. But I want you to know I am very grateful for each one of you. Thank you for your support in the ministry. Thank you for all you do for the kingdom of God. I love you. I thank you. And for those of you that are out there in the cyber world, I love you. I'm thankful for you. And you maybe have served here for months, maybe years, maybe even decades. You may have never got a personal thank you from the pastor. And I want you to know I'm sorry. I feel terrible about it. But it, I will tell you, it's absolutely not the way I feel. I love each one of you. I'm grateful. But the fact is, even if your pastor, even if the leaders, even if your loved one, even if your husband, your wife, your parents, never say a good word, never hear anything positive. The fact is, God is not unjust. He always remembers what we do, and especially when we serve God. Thank God He always remembers and never forgets. God is not unrighteous. God cares about us and remembers what we do. And I thank God that when I go to bed tonight, uh, all the things that I did that nobody knows about, all the hours or whatever, the fact is God cares about that. My, our dear friend Pastor Mike here spends many hours alone. He does all kinds of things that none of us know about. He walks around and prays. He passes out tracts here and there. He does this. He does that. But the fact is, we don't know about him, and we'll probably never ever say anything like, hey, I just want to appreciate this. Fact is, God knows. And dear Linda back home praying for him, God knows what you're doing. God knows what each one of us, God knows those of you that are praying, and uh, you're just getting behind the work. God knows. He always remembers because he is a just God. Isn't that encouragement today that God is just? God is just, and he never forgets. Your husband may not say thank you. Your wife, you know, may take the paycheck and say, well, you know, thank you, you know. But, you, but God is just, and he never forgets. You may do things for your children, and they never even say thank you. But God does because he never forgets. He is a just God. John Eglin had never preached a sermon before in his life. It was a Sunday morning, it was snowy, and only a handful of people showed up that Sunday morning. Being a deacon, being unfamiliar with the art of preaching, he was halting and a little bit unfamiliar, but he said, somebody's got to preach the Word of God. And so he stood up and he preached as best he could. And on that Sunday morning, that snowy Sunday morning, with a small handful of people, was a young man 
who came forward and accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Nobody would have known it that morning, the epic moment that that would become. Because that young man's name was Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who often has been called the Prince of Preachers. And I will be one that will say, yes, he is the King of Preachers. When I read every one of his sermons, I'm like, okay, I'm quitting the ministry. I mean, unbelievable uh, use of the words and uh, never stumble over anything. Unbelievable, brilliant mind. He got born again because someone was faithful and God showed his love and his care for that young deacon who stood up and preached because God never forgets the justice of God. It establishes the validity of God and all that he says. Thank God, God never lies to us in Scripture, ever. Number two, it explains the rightness of God in judging us. And the judgment of God actually is a comfort to me, as much as it might not seem that way. The fact is, there's this beautiful sense of justice that people are going to get what's coming to them. And the fact is, it would be coming to me if it were not for the fact that all my sins were laid on Jesus. And so, it, the justice of God explains the rightness of God in judging us. The justice of God exhibits the mercy of God in never forgetting what we have done. He never forgets. He's such a merciful God that even something small, in fact, it says in Scripture that if you even give a cup of cold water in my name to a little child, I remember it. Those dear people that are in the nursery changing diapers and giving water to people, God writes it down. Now, your pastor may not care, or he may not say, act like he cares, but, the, but I do. Trust me, I do. <laughs> but God does. He absolutely never forgets. And then this morning, finally, and this is what I'd actually like to expand on for a few moments in the time we have left. The justice of God exalts the grace of God in making salvation possible. Let's go to that amazing passage in Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 and verse 24. And I'd like to read these three verses together out loud. I think there's just something powerful about saying these words. Uh, once you said them, I think that uh, they just get set in your brain a little bit better. So let's say them out loud together. Ready? Begin. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Verse 26, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. Twice God says, God is declared to be righteous. Now, to you and I, if I stand up here this morning and say, God is righteous, you'd say, okay, that's good. No, folks, God is just. You'd say, okay, that's, that's nice. But when Paul stood up to a bunch of Romans or a bunch of Greeks, who, when he said the word God, were thinking Jupiter, or we're thinking Zeus, or we're thinking Artemis, or Diana, or whoever. These were the gods that they thought about constantly. They had dozens and dozens and dozens of gods. To them, their gods were capricious. I mean, basically, they were very moody gods. <laughs> Zeus, they would sail out, oh, Zeus, we give you our praise. Here is your cantaloupe. Here is your apple. Here is your fruit. Oh, Zeus. And when the voyage went good, oh, Zeus helped us. But then all of a sudden, the storm would come. Oh, Zeus is mad. And they had a very fearful feeling about their gods. We're wondering if they were on the good side of their gods or on the bad side of their gods. And somehow, I think that almost comes to play in the people's minds. They say, I've been cursed by the gods. Cursed by the gods. No. It's just the fact is that we as humans have the idea that people, that our gods are these uh, 
these wishy-washy gods that are never the same. In fact, uh, you can read Roman history and Greek history. They actually shared the same God, just called them different. They shared this history about their gods, and sometimes their gods were immoral with each other. You know, Zeus was carrying on with Athena, and Athena was carrying on with, you know, this one. I mean, they had all these ideas. It's interesting, isn't it, how when people make gods, they actually usually imitate themselves. (laughs) And that's human nature, isn't it? That's society. That's culture of the day. So when Paul stood up and said this, folks, Jehovah God always does right. (laughs) No, 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 no. No gods do that. Yes, there's one God that does. Zeus doesn't do that. Yeah, but, but Jehovah does. No, 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 no. Jupiter is not like that. I mean, you got to do... Th- no. God will never do you wrong. Ever. Ever. He's never done wrong. He will never do you wrong. He is just. And this morning, I declare His righteousness. That's what He said here. Verse 25. I declare His righteousness. I declare to you that the God I serve, that the God I'm preaching to you, He is just. Never done you wrong, ever, ever. He will judge you in righteousness. He never forgets what you, good thing you do in righteousness because He's a merciful God. He is a just God. Why? He always does the right thing. Now, these pagans had heard these preachers say that before. For example, in the book of Zephaniah, the Old Testament, the just Lord is in the midst thereof. He will not do iniquity. Every morning doth he bring his judgment to light. He faileth not, but the unjust knoweth no shame. Zephaniah, the preacher, stood up and said, folks, you ought to know God is just because in your tabernacle, in your temple, his Shekinah glory comes. It is his presence. You have no excuse for living like you folks are because God displays his righteousness, his justice every day. He is a just God. He always does the right thing. It has been the theme of the Old Testament preachers that God is righteous. It also is the theme of the New Testament preachers, and it is certainly the the, uh, the character of our Lord. In fact, here is this, listen to this, unsaved, most likely, pagan um, leader, Pilate's wife, Matthew 27, verse 19. And when he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him. <laughs> his wife sent. You got to get this scene, folks. Pilate, Roman governor, powerful, powerful man. He is there in all of his august presence. He has his regalia all about him, servants and rulers, and he's in this gleaming court. Everything is quiet. They're listening to his every word, and his wife sends him a note. The servant comes up very gingerly. He doesn't want to tell him that his wife wants to talk to him. He gives him the note. He reads it. I can just see the steam coming out of Pilate's ears. Bring home the olive oil, sweetie. That's what I'm sure he was thinking. But no, it doesn't say that. She says this. His wife. Now, when your wife says something to you in this kind of a situation, you better listen because wives can be, well, they can be brutally honest sometimes. Consider the man who was adamant. He once told his wife, he said, I never want to live in a vegetative state dependent upon some machine. He looked at his wife, he said, honey, if I ever get into that kind of shape, I want you to pull the plug. So she got up, walked over, and unplugged the television. (laughs) But anyway, they can be brutally honest, right? And so there she was. She said to Pilate, Pilate, do not do anything to this man. Walk away. Walk away. Now, because I have suffered so much in a vision. Now, whether God spoke to her or whether she just had a guilty conscience, whatever the case was, she was spot on because notice what she said. Have nothing to do with that what? Just man. 
I've never met a man like that man. I've never met a man like that Jesus. Walk away. Walk away from this now. I, I wish Pilate had done it. I wish they, he had, but he didn't. He tried to, some cockamamie way, he tried to you know, do this and that, but he didn't stand up like he should have and stood up for Jesus. History records that Pilate was later removed from office, taken to Gaul, which is presently France, and there committed suicide. Not a wholly unlike Judas. Why? You can't kill justice and get away with it. You can't kill holiness and get away with it. We can't walk on justice without sensing, I've done something really bad here. And that's exactly what happens. The most just man, the most holy man that ever lived, he sold out to some crazy people of his day. That's what Peter, preacher, the brother said in Acts chapter 3 and verse 14. Let me tell you just what kind of people you are. <laughs> Woo! You talk about somebody got bold. I mean, just a few minutes, a few hours earlier, a few days earlier, he was uh, denying Jesus. And now he stands up and says, I want to tell you what kind of deadbeats. You talk about losers. Our nation is the biggest bunch of losers it's ever been. You talk about rotten to the core. He said, Acts 3.14, you denied the Holy One, the just, the most right man that ever lived. And in his place, you wanted a murderer. You would rather have a murderer than the most right and just person that ever lived. Here, we find ourselves in a predicament then. God must punish sin because he is just. He cannot sweep sin under the carpet. He cannot just say, oh, you had too many Twinkies, you didn't rest enough. God can't do that because that's not justice. Justice is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's proper justice. All of the world's laws conform, true laws, good laws, right laws, conform to God. He set them in motion. He put the law of God in our heart. That's why every nation, whether they be developed or undeveloped, have similar laws. God put the law, don't murder, into the heart of man. God put the law, don't steal. God put the, these laws. They are right laws. And he never perverts judgment. He only judges in righteousness. He is just. So then the people were saying, stop, Paul. Stop. Stop. Just stop. So you're telling me that this righteous God of yours, he will just let bad people into heaven? Yep. <laughs> no, I'm not buying it. I've had people tell me something like that over the years. These deathbed conversions, these people live like a, some, you know, child pedophilia or whatever. They lived, and they, they go to prison somehow, they get, become a Christian. I'm not buying it. They live like that all their life. Nah. That's what they were saying to Paul. You're telling me that God is so just that he can't allow sin, and now you're telling me that he just lets it, who cares, and lets these same people into heaven? Yep. <laughs> how can he do that? Well, I'll tell you how he did it. He sent his son. God the Father took God the Son's offering. And God the Son came to this earth. He took on the flesh of human. And then all of sin was placed on him. God's justice, the wrath of God, was poured out on Jesus. It shook the world, and the, the, the earthquake happened just as a symbol of the universe quaking because justice has taken place. The sky grew dark as midnight, and the 
moon became dark as a sackcloth of ashes. And on that very moment, God's justice lashed out. And he put all of his wrath, my wrath, the wrath that I deserved, on his son. That's why, as it says here in this verse, he now is able to be just and a justifier at the same time because God satisfied his justice because of the death of his son. Now, folks, when we look at this great understanding, we say to ourselves, unbelievable the justice and the mercy of God. God's justice allowed grace to happen. If it were not for God's justice, grace could have, God would have been unjust, but because of His justice, because of what Jesus did. That's why we say with the songwriter, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Were the whole realm of nature mine that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. Do you know what the last song in the Bible is? It's found in Revelation chapter 15. In the last song, we find all these wonderful saints of every tribe, every people group, every type of person ever. And you know what they're singing about? Revelation 15 and verse 3, they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, the song of the Lamb, saying, great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just are thy ways. Just are thy ways. And so now, all of that is my introduction. Here's the message. Friend, God has never lied to you, and He never will. He's never led you astray. He's never been overtaken by evil. He's never forgotten you. He's never not loved you. He's never not been faithful to the promises He gave you. He has never failed to provide for you. He has never failed to take care of you. He has never failed to be there for you. And I promise you, He always will be there. How do you know that? How can I trust the future? Corey Tinboom said, I can trust an uncertain future to a certain God. How can I trust the future? Because I'm trusting God is just. He will never do me wrong. He will never. And if you ever have the feeling like, boy, I'll tell you one thing, God didn't do me right on this one. Don't ever, just banish the thought. That's not true. God can't do you wrong because it's His nature to always be straight, to always be impartial. God always operates by His principles, a principle of true justice that has been made, that has made grace and love and mercy, all of that possible. He is both just and justifier, the amazing justice of God. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed here this morning.